Our reading today is from John 6, 41 through 71. Therefore the Jews were grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. They were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he say now, I have come down out of heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down out of heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I give for the life is of the word of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats, so he who eats me. He also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died, he who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But God, conscious, but Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. He was saying, for this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the 12, you do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, did I myself not choose you, the 12, and yet one of you is a, de is a devil? Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the 12, was going to betray him. This morning we're in John chapter 6, verse 41. Our series is on uh, the God of wonder. And one of the things you'll see in the New Testament over and over again is when Jesus would do something or say something, have a teaching, everybody would be amazed and wonder at what he said and what he did. And uh, you can read through the New Testament. He said, and they would say, 
where did this man get this wisdom? What an incredible things that he just said, and he did. And as much as that is true, there were times in his ministry where he would say something or do something, and they would say, what? What? What does that mean? This is one of those passages. When he said uh, to the Jewish men, the Jewish people, you must eat my flesh and drink my, my blood. They said, what? What? Uh, what are you, are you kidding me? And, and it says that from that time on, uh, many of the disciples uh, walked away from Jesus. Hmm. Now, in this passage, uh, you need to see a little difference. Um, when he's talking about the Jews, there's two group of people. There's Jews and there's disciples. They were all Jewish, okay? Everybody was Jewish. They're putting down the Jews, okay? There, when, when John writes this, he says there's Jews. That means those who didn't work following him. And then there was disciples who were also Jewish. So we're not getting, uh, we're not being racially insensitive here uh, towards our Jewish friends. That's not it. He, he's just delineating between the Jews that believed and the Jews that were just kind of saying, what? Well, what are you saying? And we're kind of picking on them. Okay. Now, uh, if that was true during Jesus' uh, ministry, uh, it's probably true today. I remember the first time I read Romans chapter 9, and it said, uh, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. What? That's not fair. I mean, even before they were born, Jacob have I loved, and Esau, what is that about? And perhaps that has happened to you when you've read a passage and you looked at it and thought, oh, what, what does that mean? And so it also happens to us today. Or perhaps uh, even you've had events in your life where you thought, hmm, why, why did God allow that to happen? And so there are times in our lives when uh, Jesus, as wonderful he is, and he is amazing, working in our lives, there's times when we see him say something or allow something or do something in our life that leaves us to wonder, what does that mean? Uh, I remember uh, reading Psalm 37, such a comforting psalm, where the psalmist writes, don't fret because of the prosperity of the wicked. Have you ever wondered, you looked at all, sometimes it seems like the wicked are prospering and the people who are doing good are uh, having difficult times. You're thinking, why is that? You might even say, well, that's a difficult event. Why does God allow the wicked to prosper? Hmm. Okay. And oftentimes, People just say, that's a difficult statement. I'm done. I'm out of here. Just like it was just here. As a result, in verse 66, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. Just this week, I read about a Christian author, Joshua Harris. Joshua Harris. He wrote, a, he wrote an incredible book on, on dating for teens. Uh, it was called, I've Kissed, Dating Goodbye. 
incredibly wonderful book, and it affected many people. It talked about the importance of purity, the importance of purity for young people. <laughs> Is that needed? Well, he just announced that A, he's getting a divorce, B, he's walking away from the Christian faith, he no longer believes, and he apologized to the LGBT community for what he had written in his books, and just threw up his hands, and uh, verse 66, and is no longer walking with him, Jesus, anymore. So it can happen. So what do we do? Well, what I want to do is I want to talk about three truths, four truths, four truths, principles, however you want to say it, that are found in the Bible and they're in your passages, in your outline. But I want to use this passage as an illustration of those truths, okay? So that's where we're going. And I think that if you hold on to these uh, biblical truths, principles, they can hold you firm, a little bit firmer, when um, you come across a difficult statement or kind of a bouncy time in your own life. So that's where we're going. Okay. Uh, first principle, first truth. Look not at the things seen. Look not at the things seen. And I get that from two passages. Um, the first is found in um, 2 Corinthians 4.18, 2 Corinthians 4.18, one of my favorite passages, where it says, I'm getting there, 2 Corinthians 4.18. Hear those pages turning? Somebody looking at their Bible. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, while we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And then the other passage is uh, in Ephesians 6. Many of you are familiar with that. Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 12, where it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And you could almost, you could almost translate that passage say, for our struggle is not against the things that we see, but the things that are behind what we see. That would be an adequate translation. Okay. Now, the world and everything that we see, taste, smell, and hear, and feel, is real, okay? It, it is real. It is real. But what this truth is saying is don't put all your eggs in that basket. <laughs> uh, don't just look at the things that are happening or the, the passage that you're looking at because if you do, it'll make that passage, it'll make that event even more difficult than it really is. Let's take a look. Illustrated by verses 41 through 59. Let's read just a few verses and then we'll talk. Therefore the Jews were grumbling about him because he had said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. And they were saying, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down out of heaven? If you go back into the context of John chapter six, 
Previous to this event, he had fed 5,000 people, 5K, with a whole, just a few fish and a couple of loaves of bread, okay? And it was, it was a miracle, and everybody said, wow, look at that. Uh, but the Jews said, well, wait a minute, that's nice, but we're looking for something even better. And they, they, said, they said, what's that? He says, Moses gave us bread from heaven, and we ate it. Now, what Jesus is going to say in a, in a few verses, he says, uh, yeah, he gave you bread from heaven, and you ate it, and your fathers ate it, and you died. I am the bread that's going to give you life, eternal life. He's, he's, he's dealing with that issue. Now, what's the problem with these Jewish people who, who are now followers? Why? Because they're looking, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's Joseph and Mary and the kids. See, they were looking at the scene. And not what Jesus was talking about. Let's keep reading. Jesus answered and said, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written, the prophets, and they shall be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me has eternal life. We'll get back to those passages in just a minute. He says, he continues on, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread, me, that comes down of heaven so that no one, one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats this bread, <laughs> he will live forever. I'm, and the bread also which I give for the life of my, is my flesh. So right about now, the Jews are starting to pull their hair out. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. We don't eat people. We don't eat people. And we're not about to eat you. The most important scripture in this passage is verse 47. Let me go back to it. Truly, truly do I say to you, he who believes, he who believes has eternal life. Okay? So he's trying to give them the clue. Right? But right now, then it gets worse. Let's keep reading. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, and Jesus makes it even worse. Look what he does. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat my flesh, eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and, oh no, drink his blood, <laughs> you have no life in yourself. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. They're flipping out. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, as I live because of the Father, so he who eats me will also live because of me. This is the bread which came out of heaven, not as your father ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Okay, but right about this time, the, the Jewish followers are just, they're, they're just kind of done. They're done. They're done. And why? Because they're still looking at Mary and Joseph and the brothers and sisters. They're focusing on the physical, what they can see, smell, taste, and feel. Jesus, how can he be the bread of heaven? Now he's asking us to eat his flesh and drink his blood. What is going on? And even as it says, a difficult statement, and because of what he said, many of them said, I'm out of here. 
Let me give you a little example. Years ago, when we were meeting at the Performing Arts Building in Mission Viejo High School, we met there for 20 years. That sounds like a sentence. Well, it probably is almost like a, sent a prison sentence. It was, that was a difficult place to meet. That was a very difficult place to meet. And so what happened is we had an opportunity to buy a building over on Pala, a little tiny building. We were there for four years in the year 1999. And so when, we, when I began to say, okay, guys, we're getting out of here. We're getting out of uh, the performing arts at the Mission Viejo High School. Thank you for letting us meet here, but we're getting out. Now, the, the nice thing about the performing arts building is that we only had um, one service then. And out in front of the building was this lovely grass area. And in the spring and the summertime, what happened is many of the folks would, if it was a nice day, they'd bring blankets and chairs and they'd have a picnic. And the kids would be playing football, throwing frisbees, and they'd stay there till 1.30, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It was like, they'd go to church and they'd have a picnic. It was like, during the summertime, there's a lot of families. So when we went over to look at the new building over on Pala, there was no grass. People would say, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's no grass there, Neil. What are we going to do? And I thought, guys, wait a minute. Can, can we see past the grass? Can we just see past the grass? Because being in Mission Viejo High School was like a sentence. We were dying there. And God threw us a lifeline to give us a precious building. We had to look past the grass and the picnics on Sunday afternoon because God was doing something much bigger. He was bringing revival and renewal and new folks and this wonderful thing that was going to happen at the church. Sometimes when we're looking at just the seeing things, and it's real, we have to see past those. We have to see past those. And so uh, this might have happened to you. I remember when you read this passage, John chapter 6, and you said, <laughs> you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood? What in heavens does that mean? Well, are you going to help us, Neil? I hope so. <laughs> okay, it's not literal. It can't be literal. Because he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life. And I don't see any Jesus here to bite and eat. It's, he's not here. It's not possible. He's not talking physical. It can't be literal. Remember when Jesus said to pluck your eye out? If it offends you, cut off your hand. Nah, he's not talking about that. Well, what is he talking about? Okay. Now, there, there's, there's illusion. Some people say he's beginning to help the disciples understand the Lord's table when we have here. You know, you take the bread, which represents his body, and the fruit of the vine in the cup, that represents his blood. Okay? He's, he's making allusions to that. Now, our Catholic friends, our Catholic friends, use this particular passage here in the Bible as proof text for their, um, their doctrine of transubstantiation. Big word, what does that mean? It means at a certain time in the Mass when the priest lifts up the element and they ring the bells, there's a miracle. A miracle. And that host actually turns to the literal body and blood. Of Jesus Christ. That's the Catholic teaching. I think that's a stretch. I think it's a stretch. I'm not, I'm not making fun of our Catholic. It's just, I think it's a stretch based on this passage. Now, 
our Lutheran friends, they believe in consubstantiation. Uh, another big word. What does that mean? They say that the host, that Jesus is in and around the elements. I think that's a stretch too. Okay, so what does he mean? Uh, remember what he said? Truly, truly, I say, he who believes has eternal life. So what he's saying is, my death on the cross, my putting down my body and shedding my blood, if you believe that, that that gives you peace with God, that you have forgiveness of your sins because of my sacrifice, I'm the bread of life, I am the lamb of God. And if you believe in that, you have eternal life. That's what he's saying. And we'll see that in just a moment. We'll see that in just a moment. He'll, he'll talk about it. Uh, it's the spirit that gives life, he says. The, the flesh profits nothing. So first thing you have, when, 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 when trouble comes or when you read a passage and you don't understand it, wait, 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 hold on. Don't look at just the things that you see that are, it's real, but many times, if not oftentimes, there's something that's beyond that, what you see. And the problem with our Jewish friends here then, uh, they're still looking at his mom and dad. They're thinking, wait a minute, he can't be the bread of life, his father, Joseph and Mary and the kids. And so look not at the things that are seen. Okay, conversely, the second point of this in the same verse, but look at the things which are not seen. Why? Because the things that are not seen are eternal, but the things that are seen are temporal. Um, we read uh, 2 Corinthians 4.18, so let's look at our verses here. He goes on. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Then later on, therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus' conscience, conscience that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Here's the verse. Here's the second important verse aside from verse 47. The Spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. I'm speaking to you spiritual principles. I'm not telling you to literally eat my flesh and drink my blood. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who it were that did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying, for this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it's been granted to him by his father. Jesus explains what he was saying. Now, notice verse 62, which is interesting, because he's alluding also to his disciples. He says, what then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Are you going to be stumbled by that? Well, what is he talking about? Well, in this passage, remember, his disciples were thinking, okay, he's the Messiah, he's going to set up his kingdom, and we're going to be ruling next to him. That's what they were looking for. But when he's talking about, what if I go up and say goodbye, are you going to still, uh, you're going to be stumbled by that. And you remember, right after his death, 
the disciples were all kind of bummed out. We were hoping that, well, uh, 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 see, they were, they were thinking about the scene, about the temple, about Jesus setting up his kingdom, and they were going to be ruling and reigning with him. So he says, okay, you're going to be, when I get up and I ascend, are you going to be grumbling about that too? And then he goes on. He wasn't, verse 63, he wasn't speaking literally. Moses gave them bread from heaven, and it was wonderful. But they ate it and died. Jesus saying, I'm the bread that has come down from heaven, from my Father. And if you believe in me, and what's going to happen to me, you put your faith in, in my body and my blood, it was for you, I laid it down. You have eternal life. So the application, we have looked not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. And this floats throughout all of church history. All of church history. There's, there were some things done by the people of God based on a misinterpretation of this Bible that were a scandal, to say the least. A scandal, to say the least. Now, uh, for the most part, early in the 1800s, here in this country, most of the um, Protestant denominations were fairly orthodox. They believed in the inerrancy and the truth of God's word from Genesis to Revelation. Until a guy called Darwin wrote a book called The Origin of Species. And later on in the 1800s, they began to dig up dinosaur bones. And people began to look at the size of the beaks of the birds in the Galapagos Island, and they determined that, uh, that the word of God wasn't true, and we weren't created, but we were a product of evolution. And... Uh, you couldn't trust God's word, and many of the denominations, combined with a few other things, uh, can I say, withdrew and were not walk, walking with him any longer. What happened? They were looking, they were putting on their hope on what the scientists were saying were true. Now, I have nothing against scientists, because they're looking at the scene, and they're trying to figure out what's real. But, now, don't get upset about this statement. They are going to discover the truth. One day, they will discover the truth. You know how it is? Because it says in Philippians chapter 2 that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But it'll be too late for some of them. But they will eventually come to the truth. But See, the problem with putting your faith in, in, in what they're saying about the seen world is what they said 10 years ago, they no longer teach now. They keep changing the truth. But the word of God stays true forever, forever. And if you, if you change your theology based on what someone said, what you were taught in college or what some scientist said, as well-meaning as they are, You'll see in 15 years, they'll change their word. And my heavens, but what I found is 
The word of God is true. The word of God is true. It doesn't change. Okay, let's go on. So, first two things, first truth we want to get a hold of is look not at the things that are seen, but look at the things that are not seen. Third truth, look for transformation. Look for transformation. Where do I get that? Second uh, Corinthians, back to Second Corinthians chapter 3 this time. Second Corinthians chapter 3 finds itself right here. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Spirit. Look for transformation. What Paul is saying there is, as we begin our Christian walk, we learn something that's true and we apply it. And from there, we build upon that. And from those two things, we build upon that. And then when we learn that and put it in practice, we build on that. So we move from what? Glory to glory. There's a transformation. It's called sanctification. Okay? And uh, you can't go from point A to point L. You can't make that jump. It's cumulative. Do you see, you see what I'm saying? And that's what Paul is saying. You're moving from glory to glory, right? You discovered that. It's really true and it's working in your life. Then that enables you to discover something else that's true that works in your life. See, and, and you, you go from the way you used to be, the way that you are now, closer to Jesus, but not there yet. Remember, Paul says, uh, I haven't obtained it yet, but you, you move on. Okay, let's look at verses um, 44 through 47. Now, there's a couple of things going on here, but I'm just going to touch on one of them, okay? Um, verse 44. No one can come to, to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the day, last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught of God. Everyone who has learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I think Jesus is pointing to the fact that it was very much easier, very much easier for the Jewish people who had learned in the Old Testament the truth of the Messiah so that when he came along, it was much easier for them to accept him as Messiah. It was harder for those who didn't see it, didn't learn from the Father in the Old Testament to apply that which he was talking about. And so we build, we build on what we learn, and the transformation helps us to begin to understand things that earlier were confusing to us. Does that make sense? Let me give you an example. When I was a brand new Christian way back in the early 70s, uh, people, uh, there were passages, this being one of them, and Romans chapter 7, another one, they were like, ah, I don't understand that. Uh, and even being the skeptic that I am, you don't know that I was a skeptic, but I still am a skeptic. I just talked to my wife. She'll fill it in. <laughs> I say, I don't like that. I, I, don't get upset, but I would say, I don't, like, I don't like that. I don't understand it, and I don't like it. And there were people who say, well, there were the Calvinists and the Arminians, and then there was people saying, uh, 
Some people have the gifts, and the gifts are for today, and the gifts are not for today, and the gifts are there. And then the Lord is coming back before the tribulation, after the tribulation, the mid-tribulation. I'm thinking, oh, what, what's true? And I was all confused. And this is a difficult. People would say in different denominations and consubstantiation and transubstantiation, who's true? And for me, it was like, I was hearing a lot of stuff, and I was saying, this is a difficult statement. But you know now, I don't pay attention to a lot of that stuff. <laughs> Why? Not that I've, you know, remember what Paul said, not that I've gotten there. I have, I'm not perfected. But I've learned. You know what I've learned? That God's word is true. And God is faithful. And you know what I do when I hear one of those difficult statements come at me? I just duck. <laughs> just let it go right over my head. Just let it go right over my head. You know, because God's word is true. <laughs> and he is faithful. And as, you, as, as you've as you been around for a while and you begin to know the Bible, and you, and you just, the transformation will help you. Your, your sanctification, your, your growth in the Lord will help you not be kind of thrown when, when some scripture or some, he says something, or when something a little bit difficult comes in your life, because I've learned, eh, well, it's just the way this is. In this world, you'll have tribulation. Eh, it's part of life, just part of life. Now, if that's true, then we need to be concerned about our younger brothers and sisters in the Lord, don't we? You know why? Because they're going through what I went through 30-some-odd years ago. They're kind of bumpy. Can I give you a piece of advice? And not from me. You don't want to hear what I have to say, but here, listen to what Paul says. Uh, one of my favorite books. You want to have the peace of God with you? Here, let me read two verses. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God. Did you get that? The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Seek the face of the Father. Ask him, God, I, I don't understand this. Would you please explain it to me? <laughs> or at least help me get through this. There's something so much important to be at peace with God. And he says it comes through prayer. Then, notice, he, I'm not finished yet. Um, verse 8 finally brethren whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely good repute excellence pride worthy of praise here it is verse 9 and the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things and the God of peace will be with you what, what's the secret there it's also um, be the kind of person who's learning and receiving from the word of God be involved in Bible studies and, and reading the word of God and then you'll, you'll see, okay, I'm getting it. And then kind of hang around with people who are older in the Lord. Ask them. See, because Paul says, listen, the things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Put into practice what you see older brothers and sisters doing. And they're not freaking out. They're not walking away. They're not grumbling. Even though they're going through many, probably more difficult trials than you are. They're just hanging in there. 
Watch and put into practice what they're doing. Okay, so look for transformation. Finally, no, I'm okay. Uh, look for and know the truth. Look for and know the truth. Uh, John 8, 32, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Okay, so look not at the things that are seen, but look at the things that are unseen. Uh, look for transformation and finally, look for and know the truth. Now, notice verse 66. And as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the 12, you do not want to go also, do you? Simon Peter, like he does, he answered for them. Maybe somebody else wanted to say something, but Peter never lets them. Simon, <laughs> Simon Peter answered and said to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Okay, now, Jesus asks, uh, hey, you want to go away? Why? Verse 66, it says, because of the more immature guys, uh, the guys who are really not locked in, they're walking away. They're saying this is a difficult statement. They grumble, verse 60, 61, and they left. And so Jesus asks, well, you're going to leave? And Peter says, no. Why? Because he tells them he's learned three truths you got to know the truth. This truth will set you free. What are the three truths? One, where shall we go? <laughs> where should we go? Now, what is he saying? He's saying, Peter's saying, uh, okay, I don't understand everything. I don't ever understand everything. But my life is so much better now than it was before. Now, before you came into my life, I was just a dumb fisherman, and there's nothing worse than being a dumb fisherman. How do I know that? Well, we won't go into that. Dumb fisherman, <laughs> don't know nothing. He's looking at his life before Jesus, and it was awful. And so he says, where am I gonna go? He looks back, and <laughs> that's stupid. Uh, even though, even though I don't understand everything you just said, it's entirely 100% better than what I had before. And you need to do this, and that's what I need to do. I need to look at, go back, go back to being where I was before 1971. No, thank you. I'm just sticking with Jesus. Someone once says, Jesus makes life better. Jesus makes life better. And... He makes you better at life. I like that. Jesus makes life better, and he makes you better at life. And that's what Peter is saying. Is I, I, I've looked at life, and I'm not going back because there's nothing there. I was lost and dead in sin. And that's true for you, that's true for you, and it's true for me. There's nothing there. So no matter how bumpy it is, no matter, oh, I don't misunderstand everything, it's a lot better with Jesus. That's his first point. Second truth. You, that's Jesus, has given him eternal life. Notice what he says? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus has, remember what it says? I have come, thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Jesus has made, has given them the promise of eternal life. And, and now he knows not only is this life going to, be good, but now Jesus is giving me eternal life. I don't know. 
as you get older, folks, it's really important to know Jesus because one day it's all going to end. <laughs> it's over. You know, you're going to kick the bucket. <laughs> and it's nice to know that it's not all here. Peter says, I'm sticking with you, Jesus. You've got the words of eternal life. And then the third truth he knows, and you are the Holy One of God. You've got to know that. You are the Messiah. You are the Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. You are the Holy, you're the promised Messiah. And there is no one else like you. Now, there have been and will be words and events that happen in your life that will make you grumble. I don't understand that. Why is this happening to me? What you have to understand is this. You don't have to understand everything to believe in something. You don't, let me say that again. You don't have to believe in, know everything to believe in something. You don't have to know everything to believe in something. And that's what's, that's what's essentially what Peter is saying there, isn't it? Okay, uh, I don't know, many of the disciples are leaving, but uh, I don't understand everything. It's a little bumpy and I don't understand, but I'm staying with you. I'm believing in you, and that's what we need to do. When you don't understand everything, at least you can believe in something. And here's three things that you want to believe in <laughs> right here. Where else shall I go? You've given me eternal life, and you're the Holy One of God. You've got to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Okay, difficult times, words, events are sure to happen, but guess what? I keep coming back to the words of Peter in this passage. Okay, let me wrap it up because my time is over. Most of you know that I'm kind of what I call a historyophile. I don't know if that's right, but I love reading about history. Uh, now that I have a little bit more time in my life, I've begun to read a whole bunch of history books. I'm just reading history book after, I just finished a book on the Spanish Civil War from 1936 to 1939. You say, well, why did you read that book? Because I read a book in Spanish about 1492. I talked about that the last time. So I'm just keep reading. You know why I, lo I love to read about what happened before. What happened? Why did we end up like we did? And I'm not even, I've just touched the surface. But I, there's a side benefit. You know what I've seen the side benefit is? The side benefit, I have seen the faithfulness of God through history. I have seen, you get to know history, you'll see God is faithful and you'll see that his word is true. Why is that? because I have seen the absolute ignorance of some who, who were looking at the scene. And I've seen the brilliance of others who were able to see past the minimum experience and grab a hold of faith in Christ. I've seen it. It's true. I've seen some places when people were thinking it's this, a disaster is coming. It's, it's if this is the end of the world, and guess what? It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't the end of the world. And then I've seen people saying it's peace and safety, and you know what happened? 
<laughs> the roof collapsed on him. What's the, what are you doing? What have I learned from that? I've learned. I've learned to look not at the things that are seen. Don't put all your baskets in that, but look at the things that are unseen, the spiritual principles beyond those things. I look for transformation in my life so as I become more mature, some of these things that used to bother me don't bother me anymore. And finally, I've looked and found the truth. And the truth is, where shall I go? You have the words of eternal life. Pray with me, please. So, Lord, here we are. What do we do? What do we do? We find you. We find eternal life. And then we just go on with you. May that be true for each one of us, we pray. In your name, amen. But I had a burden. I wanted to pray. Father, we pray for, for our country. Bob paid for the, the families, and rightly so, but I want to pray for our country. It seems like uh, things are spiraling out of control because we've forgotten you. We've kicked you out of the classes. We've kicked you out of college. All the people who believe in you are called redneck, ignorant people. And now we're reaping the whirlwind. How sad. Lord, Lord, have favor on us. Somehow rescue us. Bring revival, we pray. Our hearts break for what, what is happening in our country. It's a wonderful country. And yet we see the hopelessness of many of our young people because there is no meaning to life. And they can do whatever they want. And that's an outright lie. An outright lie. And it's not the word of truth. And they're surrendering it to it and destroying their own lives and the lives of many people along with them. How sad. Rescue us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.